We there yet? We there yet? The podcast with Rich Kiamko. Ah, that's me. Okay, hi. hi. Welcome to WTY We There Yet podcast. I'm here today with the amazing, hilarious Kate Rigg. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Kate, I just caught... Now, you have to help me with the title. It's the longest everything Asian title. It's the... It's called The Happy, Lucky, Golden Tofu, Panda, Dragon, Good Time, Fun, Fun Show. <laughs> There's actually no the in it. I just said the. Right, right. You forgot to put no MSG and gluten-free. Yeah, no. That's implied. That's the subtext. <laughs> I, went to, I went to drama school, so I had to build in subtext. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it was amazing. It was a great show. Thank and, you. And uh, it's funny because uh, actually I, you, we reconnected on Facebook recently and you, you invited me to the show. But I saw you years ago. I think in, uh, I guess it was Union Square. It was one of those Asian We were co-hosting an Asian, or maybe you were doing comedy. Were you doing a comedy set? I, I'm not sure if I, I might have been doing my solo show, because that was a long time I ago. Was co- I know where I was. I was co-hosting the Asian Heritage, like, sort of street party they had right. in Union Square. Right. And I was performing a little bit, but also hosting the stage. Oh, and I think okay. you were on the stage performing. Yeah, I must have done an excerpt, probably the most comedic part of my solo show, just because, you know, when you're doing outdoors, yeah. you're like, be funny, be animated. Yeah, totally. People are walking by and distracted. That was good. I, so. I still remember that. That was good. I We, after, I, I think I played music at that show. I think you did, like, the your Rice Rice Baby or With some sort band, of. my band, I think. Cultural confusion say Wise guy round by No should be afraid to trade in his home fries For a nice bowl of steamed What? Okay, you wanna steam my dumpling? Slanty mama gonna make your roll spring Hi, Mr. Round Eye White Guy How you like my straight hair and slanty eyes? Straight hair, even straight hair down there If you look in my Hello Kitty underwear Call me, I'll set you straight When you take me on a racially mixed date Rice, what the honky brothers call me Spice, garlic ginger but no MSG And if a player wanna kick some Asian game I say, what you think all Asian hoochie look the same? Perhaps, your chinks and emperor Hawaiian Those Japs might be gooks made in Taiwan What if I number? Till you get it straight Till you're ready for this dish on your hot plate Rice, rice, baby your nail just right with a delicate french tip i got your french tip want to see where i shoved it down like a sumo on the tarmac down mount fuji's on your back hot asian mamas in every direction gonna give the boys a big connection 1-900 ching chong live action with live suzy wong oriental babes oriental tricks i know how to chop your stick jump in my walk i'll get the oil bring your noodle to an east-west boil order by number sour or sweet you don't have to be asian to eat What? Who round I see when he goes out? Yeah. What do you see when you pay? 
for your laundry Who do you see when you pay for your sushi rolling? Asians into one concept Things you buy needed most electronics Opium, Olympic level ping pong But there's more than ping pong in the life of a ching chong boy There's a whole nother world in the heart of this oriental girl My band is called Slanty-Eyed Mama, and after that gig, that Asian Heritage Festival, PBS was there, and they actually put us on a show called Race is the Place, which was all artists of color talking about race issues and stuff like that. So I I very well remember that thing. Um, Slanty-Eyed Mama's been playing, that was 2003, I think. Okay. And we've been playing, we graduated from Juilliard, me and the other person in my band, Lyris, She's Chinese-American, grew up in Connecticut. I'm Indonesian-Australian-Canadian-American. and wow. uh, Snap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm into multiple titles and hyphens anyhow. No, Australian as in My indigenous dad. or no, uh, no, no. a British? White guy. Because you, yeah, yeah. you're definitely... You're so fair Beard. skin, so oh, light skin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think it's a compliment. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're so colonized. <laughs> I'm assimilated. Um, so we've been playing together since graduation i graduated drama and she graduated Music. violin masters violin, in violin right but she was also a duo didn't she go to columbia she went to columbia she as well. also went to columbia that's right super asian right super asian she did two degrees at the same time her right. parents are so proud right right <laughs> oh my god they are actually really proud which is it's very rare for asian parents they're actually proud of their daughter wow. and it was and not, they feel it and she feels it and it's it. not just because she's playing violin because <laughs> you'd think that they would be proud because they but they didn't even make her do it it was her idea really so she's a self she's a self-inflicted suzuki student she went when she was wow. three years old she wow. went to what happened when she, they went to uh, i'm gonna tell lyris story but why not it's interesting they <laughs> went to uh um if you look up slantyeyedmama.com you can see who i'm talking about yeah, yeah um but they went to a concert a classical music concert and as a little child she was a toddler and she said she was so blown away by the experience she asked if she could learn to play this wow. music. So they sent her. So this is like a rare case of Asian parents being asked by their kid to go and study wow. violin. Now, but your story as a performer, your parents weren't like, you go, you go be funny. Oh my God, no. My parents were not into it you at do all. T- you talk about colonialism. Please. My mother still, you know, my mother's gone now. She passed away in 2013. Wow. But she still wow. rises from the dead almost every day and says, it's not too late for medical school. And yeah. when she was alive, she would just call me every week and say that to me, you know. Right. That's so funny. I'm I well think, over thirty, I, I so think stop the, calling me. I think and that's that. the boilerplate for it, because my mom is still like, it's medical school. It's, it's not too late. too late. We'll pay for it. You know, I, I'm, I'm married. I have a husband. She's like, you know, you. I know you have your friend, but I'm like, <laughs> come on, come on, don't pretend. If but he it, w- if he was a doctor, she might be more into it. Well, he went to Yale and and Cornell, but they, they sort of like fantasize that he's almost Asian and almost a doctor, but he, none of that he's happened. not a doctor or Asian. No, no. It's horrible. He's older than me. It's all it's awkward. Terrible. It's, it's very awkward. It's all wrong. It's all, but they're still, they're very loving, but oh, that's your pa- they're Filipino probably. Well, 
it's a mix. You know, there's still like the loving with the beating. Filipinos have some kind of, they have some Euro vibe though. You know, they can't help it. They got the, some Spanish the vibe Span- inside the them. The Spaniard Catholic guilty, loving beating you, I loving guilty. No. So then how did you, what was your moment when you said, ah, I want to do this? Oh, that's a good question. So I didn't have that same classical music moment. I think it was, um, I did my first comedy routine in grade two there was one of those like school class plays like do you know just put on a sketch or skit or something uh-huh. and i don't really remember the skit but i remember that it was you know we me and my friends got together we put on a little skit and we made people laugh and i thought that was such a great feeling to make people laugh it was a very powerful feeling too to sort of elicit a response or a you know a positive response right and then in this environment were you in canada now? i was in canada I okay so then canada. you were getting mostly white people to laugh at you Actually, Canada's much more multiculturally integrated than the States, I right. find. Right, I mean, my partner is Canadian, so I'm familiar with yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, the you, mosaic. Were you in, like... I was in Toronto. Brampton? No, I was in Toronto. Oh, like so you were in Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Toronto. Oh, okay. So I'm going to say, I don't really remember, but I always grew up in very multicultural classrooms. Right. I'm not one of those Asian kids who was, like, the only Asian in the class. Uh, and yeah, Toronto is, like, a big melting pot. And yeah, said, yeah. what are you? Like, we had all colors, you know, all right. kinds of mixed-race kids. I, I identify, I think, more as mixed-race than... Right. Asian only because other well, people identify me as Asian, but I identify as mixed race because I have a lot more in common with other mixed race people. Right. No matter what race they and are. And in terms of grant writing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, for sh- no, actually, in terms of grant writing, I'm an Asian. Oh, I yeah, do yeah, Asian yeah, American. Yeah, 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 mixed yeah. race is not that popular for grant givers. But, right, right. Um, but in terms of my life, like when I talk to people who are mixed race, you know, say, you know, Latinos right. or whatever, um, those people have more in common because they really understand this idea of s- trying to straddle two or three worlds at the same time. Right. Whereas, you know, Asian Americans have a different experience of biculturalism. It's not in their DNA. It's right. societal. It's like we moved here, we're Asian, and now we're dealing with Western culture and how it receives us. But when you're actually mixed race, you're it's at the level of the family, you know? Right. How are you received by the different members of your family? Right. So then, so second grade, you, you got your first hit. I got my th- first hit of laughter. That's correct. Right, right. And then when did you finally, like, I guess, come out to your parents and say, hey. Oh, I right away. You said right then, right I'm Right away. Doing I said, I want, I want to be an actress. And my mom said, why... You know why? Why you want to do that? Is terrible people in acting. You will be all, uh, surrounded by all sorts of I can't remember low lifes. And I said, <laughs> Do you mean uh? Do you mean like drug a- drug addicts and and gays and lesbians and what did I say? Drug addicts, gays and lesbians and actors. I named just a bunch of what I thought she meant, and she was like shocked and said yes. And I said, Well, you know what, Ma? Those are people too, and I want to be with them. I was five, she said, oh when I said God. that. I, my mom told me that story. Yeah, I know. I was Did just you even know that. what gays and lesbians were? I don't know. Well, I grew up in Canada. It's very liberal. You know, people talk right, about everything right, all the right. time, right? Yeah, but five, but I did, I, like, I think language. I, wasn't, I was, I, the gays and lesbians just stands out to me, but I think I, I, she told me I rattled off a whole list, like gays, lesbians, drug addicts, criminals, actors. <laughs> like, I just named everything, right, <laughs> that, I, that I thought she was the, saying were lowlifes, and then I said, yeah, and, and I said, well, they're people too, and I want to be among them. Wow, and then yeah. she said, go to your room? Basically, go do more math homework or something. Right, I don't know what right. she actually And then said. how, what was that? You know, cause you went to Juilliard somehow you, you, you made it happen. Well, I got a scholarship to Juilliard. It's not like they paid for it or anything. Right. But you did, you, did you secretly apply or did you No, tell I was them? out about it. I, I ran away from my parents, which I think is a very healthy thing to do for some people. And it was for me when I was 17, I went to Australia 
because of my Australian citizenship, I was able to go to college for free in Australia. So oh. I elected to get as far away from my ancestral Snap. home as possible. And so, they, so they knew you left. I said, I'm well, I was like, I'm going to Australia for college. Bye. I got accepted into a bunch of schools in Canada, but I was like, no, I'm leaving. And that was my first real taste of freedom. And I actually directed when I was in Australia. I did a lot of um, stage directing because previous to college, I had been to two summer programs. I'd been to American Academy of Dramatic Arts and British Academy of Dramatic okay. Arts. So you have a point. My parents did not completely cock block me. Right, right. In terms it, of being a They weren't like waterboarding you into math. They actually... Well, they did waterboard me into AP math. They actually did. They said, they basically bribed me and said, you can do this performance stuff if... You do all the classes required for pre-med. Right. And right. you do advanced physics, See, science, and math. See, my parents did the math. same thing. They said, they you can do performing, but only if you do this stuff, too. Right. And did you, like, nail all that stuff? No, I was terrible at it. It was oh. horrible. It was terrible. Because I, <laughs> I was, like, In math, high school, I was good. I was math team I champ. Up. I did you all were? this shit. But that was, like, I'm, I'm, like, holding out, going, if I just have the top scores and everything, then I can do this, like, zero oh, under negative badass. scoring thing. I mean, I came out when I was 14. It was a whole other, like, Oh, as a part. gay? Oh, my God. To Asian people? Oh, it's horrible. What's wrong with you? That's such no, a bad no. idea. In your show, <laughs> you identify as N, which is like narcissexual. So now, is that code or is that just like... No, it's narcissexual. It literally... I was... Ra again, I have to say my Canadian roots have served me well. This was a very... People didn't make a big deal about, um, you know, your identity politics in right. Canada. Not the same way. There was a sort of... It's it's ingrained into the, nat the national zeitgeist the multicultural mosaic. We're taught about the multicultural mosaic since we're in school, like as right. It's a different. It's a different languaging it in is. Canada. It, the mosaic. A it's mosaic not. being, you know, each tile has its own distinct color, but it right. fits inside the mosaic of Canada. Right, right, so right. you're Indonesian Canadian. You're, you know, uh, you know, whatever Caribbean Canadian. They don't even say African Canadian. It's not a thing. They get very specific. Jamaican Canadian, right, Trinidadian right, Canadian. Right, 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 right. If you're actually from Africa, you're African Canadian. Right, right, you know? right, right. So they're very specific about that. And the same thing with. Um, feminism and gay rights and politics the whole thing is a lot more um uh like integrated in terms of society so i but this is like the 90s 80s 90s i was yeah i was that's right in the 80s and 90s but i think right. it's always like i said i think that they've been doing that for a long time because it's in the textbooks of your schools right you know I mean, it's I, not just like sort of a new wave like it was here in the early 2000s when people became activists right, right? i mean in the, as a footnote my partner who's a little bit older than me 20 years Ooh, uh hello. he was doing the first kiss in in toronto on the streets which they all oh, got arrested right? yeah, 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 yeah 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 okay so anglo the english side and Rice queen. He, I'm just gonna what? say it. I'm just gonna he, say it. I'm just gonna say I Rice think Queen. I, I induced Has him to Rice Queen. Has he ever dated a white guy? He his previous well was Jewish. Oh, that counts. Twenty six years. That's whitish. So it was exotic to a wasp to date a it's Jew. Still whitish though. So but then it doesn't I, count I, as a Rice I, Queen. I crossed him over to, to the, the brown town. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was first time he'd ever really met. Really? Some, oh, yeah. all right. So, so it was really a shock. So he was not a rice queen. No, you made him a rice Although queen. Although I did sort of convert because now his radar picks up anything brown in town. That's like, what tends to happen, right? So yeah. you know, but so he did this <laughs> radical thing of kissings Kissin. and stuff in that Canada. was in the eighties, right? It's seventies. Mm, it was. Yeah, oh, they yeah. did a kiss in here in the eighties, though. You know, yeah, yeah. for act up, they did right, a big right, kiss right. in but like eighty six or something. But there in Canada, it was like they weren't even they were called homophiles or something. It wasn't even gay yet. All right, but. Anyway, that's just sort of like, I think that's part of why when but you noticed that they out, didn't get like put in jail or anything, they just did it. Well, there were there were some busts. They would raid 
They yeah. raided bathhouses. Well, they also raided like a newspaper oh. because it was like speaking. Uh, but it, it was wasn't, super it, it, you know, it was, it was still like 10 years ahead of New York. For sure. You know, like For sure. in terms of the movement. I mean, there was the Stonewall in 69, but Canada was doing its own thing. Anyway, which was amazing because now so you, you got to, to talk become. about sex. So you I'm, got to become who you got to become. I'm narcissexual. It's a joke, obviously. But what it means is, listen, like I've, I've dated men. I've dated women. I've been married. Um, I make my. I make so myself. But this to, is over uh, a long. A, a guy. A, a guy. cis. A cis male. Okay. <laughs> I, I gotta get really because you were throwing out every letter. So I can say cis male. That's true. You can say cis, cis male. Although I, I tweak a little bit at at um the, the language of gender, which probably is, makes me very unpopular sometimes in the queer community. But I think that it's still in its formative stage that language. I do not like to be called cisgender. I find it irritating. Right. I, I you know I and I suppose that. I need to think about that actually inside myself. Like, I just don't feel like I need another label. Just like even with, you know, there's an argument that you could say that trans men, trans women are that their transness definitely needs to be acknowledged. But at the end of the day, they're men and women, right? So I don't know. I find I just that the whole language. Well, I guess it's also they identify as men, or they were bio men, but identify as women. I mean, Correct. Really, you know. But what I'm saying to you is, why can't we all just get along and make out with each other like bonobo <laughs> apes? That's all. And, and I will get to the point where I understand. But this language, let's be real, this language is evolving now. It's happening right now. I mean, it's been germinating for the last 10 years, but it's, yeah. in, it's in, you know, common parlance now. And so I feel like we all need to be careful. Um, but we also need to stop bullshitting and getting caught in the language of it and deal with the real people and the real, you know, the, the realness of it. I think language... French feminists got crazy in the 90s. They did. They got fucking crazy in the 90s and they started rewriting and making everything herstory. And whilst I, I'm into it, I'm you know staunch feminist, they got really bogged down in the language and really angry and took things out of context. And I think when you take a historical document out of context and you insist that it is patriarchally oppressing you when it actually isn't, you get into dangerous territory. It's like when people say currently people are getting professors fired from universities for teaching to kill a mockingbird because it triggers them because it has a sexual violence oh, and it has racial God. violence there's so and much trigger you. there's no, but so fuck much you. trigger Stop getting triggered. like you're going to college to get triggered that's why you go to college actually to feel uncomfortable and to expand beyond your comfort zone so you can learn something that's how you learn that's how you grow and so if every time you feel like oh my feelings are a little mm, i feel sensitive about that don't talk about it you're actually doing a silent you're making silence um the only acceptable correct norm and it's insane like you you know you should be challenged you should have opposing point of view you should be allowed to listen to some super racist talk about why they're super racist so that you can form your own idea against it but just shutting them up is actually i think right. a terrible idea but it's interesting i noticed like i did it's a, a terrible i did idea. a college showcase a couple of weeks ago and if I made a joke about my own sexual mm -hmm. journey, mm -hmm. ha ha ha. Make fun mm -hmm. of my parents' mm -hmm. sort of old world mm -hmm. commentary on it, ha ha ha. But if I make a joke about the gender binary and sort of gender norms. Oh, people freak out. They were freaking out. They don't want to laugh at it. But they need to fuck off. Right. But then I did. So I, I realized. Because we're all part of that conversation. And it's like you're teaching people now to be afraid to, to acknowledge the discomfort. How are they going to function in the world? The right. real world. Right. I, I was doing Columbia at last a couple weeks ago and I just said okay hold Chris on Chris Rock won't play colleges anymore right, for right. this reason well they all say like, that because it gets all, all like PC but who's doing this like that's the say like who created this environment because kids aren't creating it themselves it's 
it's I, coming I, up. I think there's from, a weird. It's like the blessing and curse of setting a, a safe space. So now you can't use hate language. You can't use it. But then now people get nervous. You're not any. safe though. You're not safe to say your opinion. Right. Right. That's so the that's problem. not a safe space. Right. But that's, they have this thing of safe space. Yeah. It's oh total my bullshit. god. Listen, and the other thing is art literature language are supposed to challenge and make you grow i went to i did a college visit and i won't name the campus but there was this campus that i went to i believe it was an all-female campus i believe uh, and you know of course trans women were allowed trans women were allowed but it was a it was a girl school yeah. one of those traditional girl school and they had an artist visiting at the local you know art gallery but a campus art art gallery you know a campus sponsored art gallery and his piece was, you can see it on my blog if you need to see the photo. The piece was of a guy walking in big underwear. So he had big white underwear on, like tiny, whitey, tiny whiteys, but, but kind of loose, like big, you know, not very well fitting. Like yeah. he'd been sitting in them for a while playing video games and eating right. cereal in his mom's basement, like that kind. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and the, and the sculpture was, a, it was called the sleepwalker and it's a dude in non-tight, tidy whiteys walking, right? That's it. And everyone freaked the fuck out and said they were triggered by it and that people who had, you know, incidents with uh, whether it was uh, who know every level of sexual uncomfortableness were triggered by it. And they protested and they tried to get them to take it down and this and that. And I'm like, look, you know, at the only way that I think that is possibly OK is and I mean the censoring of this artist is if it's in a public space that we as taxpayers have no control over. But when you're on a private campus that is privately funded and there's an art gallery and they're sponsoring this artist. And it's art in a gallery. It's not. Well, it was actually out on the campus. It was in oh. front of the gallery. It oh, was outside. sleepwalking. Yeah, that's the whole point of the sculptures. It looked like a dude sleepwalking. It was fantastic. Uh. It was a really Really like a hologram or a screen? No, it was a sculpture. It was like a life-size sculpture. Oh, but it's like it a, a frozen sculpture. Yeah, of like a guy like that. I'm just like oh. holding my hands out. Oh my walking. god! Not naked, no genitalia showing. Yeah, but it was baggy. it was actually the implication of nudity that was freaking everyone out. And I'm like, how can you? I understand. I think what this really speaks to is people's need to assert their 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 right to protest and their right to feel safe and their right to feel unfettered. That's what this is really about. Cause is it really seriously about a dude in tidy whiteies? Seriously? You, you know, and, and there's this sort it's, of it's funny impulse though. to complain. It, it's almost like this is my token place to rage out and hold power. I'm going to rage. And, and then they don't want to do anything about actual gun killings or like there, there's places you could take your energy and go, you know, rally and lobby. You're lobbying over, a piece of art. Not only is it a piece of art, it's not even that pornographic. It's, right. It's something that you can see but any day on TV. But the thinker's totally nude. But it's a controller situation, right? It's like about control, and that's why I think this whole mind control thing is really... Anyways, I think triggers... I'm triggered by triggers. Let me yeah. put it that way. Yeah. I get enraged when people will issue a trigger warning against a book like To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> or a Shakespeare play. Because I'm like, you're doing that just to fucking assert your right... To, to, to feel disempowered and an empowered stance over to kill a mockingbird or Shakespeare, whatever is to understand context and to open your mind and to openly disagree. When I did a show, I did a show called Kate's Chinkarama featuring the Chinkarama right, right, dancers, right, right. right? And it was all, this was like in the early two thousands and it was all about the word chink and how it has, it entered at that time. I mean, things have changed a little bit since then, but at that time, what I was addressing was the word chink because the word chink in my experience as an asian american has been accorded to 
all ethnicities of Asian American. <laughs> right, right? right. And it purposely in my show, I had I had a Blasian, I had a Korean, I had a Park Korean, I had a Hapa, I had I had all different kinds of Asians. And the whole point of this show was we were talking about the word chink and what does it really mean because it clearly racial language like that takes its meaning from the context and the use. I'm not Chinese, so does chink really apply to me? Apparently it does if a white person's calling me that or thinking about that, right? Right, right, right. So this show was about the colonial filter. (laughs) Correct. Like this and that's the show was deep basic in terms of college talk, we were deconstructing the word chink, okay? That's why it was called chinkarama. Now that's a super trigger for people because that's racial language, right? Right, right. right. It's the N word for Asians. Yes, but it but you I don't think you can compare racisms because we have different histories, right? Right, right. This right. country has a different history of racism with African Americans than it does with Asian Americans. There's right. different tenets and it's hard to say one's yeah. worse or yeah, better. You can't say it, this way is exactly eight grams it's not the same, of right? racism. This is twelve. Right, grams. especially right, right. since the etymology of the word jink is completely different than right, that right, word, right? Right, right. Um and I um so anyways, the other thing is that I am of the school of thought that you need to talk about things and expose them and look at them and examine right. them in order to understand them and master them and have a fully formed opinion. By just silencing yourself, you allow that word to fester. You allow that word to continue to exist right. unfettered right. by me throwing it on the table and examining it from all angles. And we really did. We talked about all the stereotypes of Asian Americans and stuff like that. Um, it allows people to have that. Now I had a lot of, I had actually, I didn't have that much backlash because everybody who saw the show understood what it was going on. I had backlash from people who did not see the show. Right. Right. Who freaked right. out. And I said, right. first it's of all, it's always that way. They don't know what it you is. You got to come see the damn show and then we can have this conversation. But even when the, I didn't mind though, cause I was like, look, I don't mind that you're freaking out that this show is called Chinkarama because now you are talking about racial language, Asian Americans, the Asian American experience and stereotypes, something that nobody wants to talk about. So I was thrilled. I was like, good, talk about it, go. That's why my (laughs) band's called Slanty-Eyed Mama for the same reason. Right. Because I'm not, it's, you know, NWA did it it before us, okay? Right, right, right. So that's an homage to them, okay? Right, right. But Slanty-Eyed Mama, it's a little gentler than NWA, but, um, you know, we don't have a song called Fuck the Police yet or anything (laughs) like that, you know? (laughs) know. But, but, um... But we still have, you know, that kind of giving ourselves permission to talk about race in America from an Asian American point of view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even you do a bit, and we could. I'll play a little sample here. Your uh, your phone line. My phone sex bit. It's great because it's addressed. I mean, you're calling out the global aspects. You're the, the, it's just there's so many little. It, but it's hilarious. It's about the. It's that's that's about Orientalism. That's about the occupation of. Um, other countries and commercialization and how consumerism has made us take advantage of whole cultures of people that we don't think about when we're putting on the clothes they made, things right, like right, that, right? Right, right? And it's funny because I tell I don't say one dirty thing. Right. It's all but implied. do you know that that piece was censored from YouTube? I literally don't say one you can play we'll play some of it. Oh yeah. Oh I'm so glad you called Mr. Third Eye White Guy around there, yeah. I can feel my lotus petal quiver with delight at your big western know-how. Oh yeah, daddy, oh yeah. I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to take your big throbbing international monetary fund wad and I want you to shoot your load all over my quivering third world industry. Oh yeah, daddy, that's it. Pump my economy. Pump it, pump it, pump it, pump it. Oh, what? What am I wearing? Oh, I'm wearing a nice silky panties 
hands sewn by my cousin Siti in Kathy Lee factory. Oh yeah, daddy, very sexy, uh-huh. She work all night long for you. Barely legal all night long, oh yeah. What? A little more kinky? Okay, well, how about a little oriental suck and blow? Except in my country, we like to do it backwards. So first, I'm going to blow all over your money markets until they become inflated like worker bee drowning in ginseng royal jelly. And then I'm going to suck you dry and slap that big fat dictator Swiss bank account. Oh, yeah, daddy. You can take it. You can take some more. Yeah. How you like my military curfew. How you like my juicy UN violations. Oh yeah, Mr. Imperialist, Colonialist. I want you to invade me when I spread my national policies. Oh yeah, Daddy, that's it. Pull your troops in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out until you find my axis of evil. Oh yeah, right there, right there. That's it, Daddy. That's it. You got it. Oh yeah, it was good, but now somebody gotta pay. Somebody always gotta pay. We accept UNICEF boxes and little envelopes from the airplane and Marcos family fortunes. Okay, Daddy, okay. You call back next week. I'll show you my retractable foreign policy. Okay, Daddy, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. I don't say any, you know, PP or vagina. I don't talk about anything dirty or actual sex. I say things like pump my economy, but I say it in a sexy voice like, oh, right. yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. glad you called. You know, I want you to pump my economy, pump it, you know, and I said, your stock prices are rising, you know, right. stuff like that, right? Right, right. And even the idea really? of That's sex. That's so weird. Even the idea of it. But there's, oh, but that, they, you could, you could have that on the adult, the, the adult level YouTube. Like there's, isn't there a YouTube that's just... Why would I put that on the adult level? It's about politics and it's about consumerism. Right, right. I'm just saying that they it, it could be put in the whatever. 18 it's outrageous to me that that was censored right, from, right. from YouTube. Right. Because there's literally nothing sexual about it. But somebody was so threatened by the idea right. of sexuality. But they have no problem showing video clips of people torturing their cat. You yeah, know, exactly, like, right? like freaking it out, scaring it, making it jump, making it whatever. Yeah, well, it's, like, I'm, it's funny. I'm just kidding. Okay, so... <laughs> But I'm watching, going, oh, that's all uh, oh, the no, porky. I like the cute but, ones. But you know, thirty million hits, eighty million hits, yeah, ten, you know, totally for, for for little cute acts of violence. But then this, which is actually pointing out in a non in non. I'm telling you, it's the least dirty piece I do, right. but it has an attitude that's kind of dirty. Right, right. Well, because you're doing it right in that flip. line. Well, that's triggering. I'm sure people would be super triggered by that piece. Yeah, and I don't know why, because I'm talking about how big corporations take advantage of small economies in third world countries and workers. That's what that piece is about, but I can imagine that triggering people. We're right. going to play it so you can hear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll play it. So imagine we played it, and then we yeah. you know, we just discussed it. So okay, what else? So you, know, you also have, you were on Dr. Phil. You've been on uh, how many, you, you play every agent on, on, on Law, Law and Order. Order, and we can't tell which one. I've been on this. all the Law and Orders, you've actually. Been, you've it, been every agent. I have been you, on Criminal <laughs> Intent, Regular Law and Order a bunch of times, and SVU, all Asian stuff. And yeah. actually, you are B.D. Wong, but no one knew that. <laughs> I know, I wish I was B.D. Wong. That right? bitch has way more money than me, yeah. <laughs> how, so what was the... He also has a better body. What? Well... We, we as self-loathing fellow self-loathing LGBTQ and <laughs> people, it's always someone else's body. It's better. yeah, right. Uh, how did the how did like the Doctor Phil come about and and what, what what what's up next and what you know? Uh, well, that I did a couple of seasons on Doctor Phil. 
one of his producers was doing an episode on race in America, racial bias, the difference between racial bias and racism. And so she assembled a bunch of people from different races. Um, Paul Mooney was there representing African-American. Mm. Manny Maldonado was there representing Latino and American. I was there Asian-American. And she had like a panel, basically discussion. And then people brought the in their racial... talking about eating dogs. Yeah, and they <laughs> found people to talk about their racial bias. So after that show, Dr. Phil turned to me and he said you're great. We should have you on again. And I said, okay. And that's how that happened. Pretty much. That's how that happened. And so then I just started doing regular man on the street stuff and other panels. And I really enjoyed my time there. They changed the format. Now they've, they don't have like correspondence anymore, but while they did, I was one of the main ones and really loved that experience. Yeah. I have to say. So next, um, well, we're filming the show. Happy, lucky, golden tofu, panda, dragon, good time, fun, fun show. And we're making a, (laughs) a concert movie out of it. And I'm writing a book. Um, so those are my two main projects right now. And I have, I always have other th- little irons in the fire everywhere, but those right. are my main projects right now. Right. Yeah. And what, like, you, I, I always want to go back for a second. You, you ran away from home. Your parents didn't stop you. You no. lived in Australia. Yeah, for four and years. And it's completely funded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My school was funded. A, I even got a stipend to that's live. That's the best it way to run away. Bomb, I'm going to yeah. run away and get the arts go to education <laughs> I want. No, but you know what I mean? Like, I gonna, ran away to college. But exactly. That is, but that's so, it's Asian. so Asian, right? It's I Asian ran away bad. to go to college. It's Asian to badass. I'm going to get a degree in what I want. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> an Ivy League degree. Yeah, right. I even got an honors degree. You know, I did the extra. Um, but yeah, I ran away to Australia. Then I auditioned for drama school in Australia. I got in and I thought, you know... Uh, I, I want to be in New York. That's just what I thought. So let me come to New York and audition. But I deferred my acceptance to that drama school. And, you know, that it was one of those crossroads in my life where I could have stayed in Australia. I was having a wonderful time there. Yeah. And I would have had a nice career there, I'm sure. Um, but I wanted to be in New York. So I came here and auditioned for Juilliard. And when I got in, I had to make a decision. And I decided to stay here. And then, so how did that, then was there a scholarship or did you well, yeah, th- sell I, yeah, your yeah. sibling? Or no, no, <laughs> I had scholarship. They, they, oh, okay. they have scholarship. Good, good funding and good scholarships at nice. Juilliard, as you could imagine. Yes. Yeah, so right, I did all right. right. Yeah. Wow. I did work study. You know, I did the, whatever all, you do. Right, I right, scra- right, right. I scraped around and made it happen. The Juilliard sweatshop, you know. Yeah, the whole Someone's, t- someone's got to make those nylons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Dance belts. It was great. Um, oh, I have to go in a minute. So what are okay. we going to wrap up with? What should we well, wrap up with? I mean, I guess what would, what's to other aspiring, uh, to other aspiring performers or, or Asians who are trying to find their voice or just people. Yeah, I mean, cause I like, mean, you know, the, the, the theme of this is called we there yet. Like it, you know, are we, it's always like, what's the next thing we want to get, but really isn't it about the journey and how do you keep yourself, you know, as a, as a fellow artist, how do you keep yourself motivated to stay on this journey? Cause it's never, nothing's guaranteed. And it's so no, volatile. It's not easy. What keeps you going? You know, I think that I think that finding courage to do what you want to do in life, particularly for Asian Americans, is difficult because we were not raised that way. <laughs> and because Stop having feelings. And our parents <sighs> were not raised that way. And it goes back many generations. There's a sort of a, a put your head down and survive kind of mentality. So this whole idea of hopes and dreams and art and what is very foreign. And I think that though speaking to people who live in America and are surrounded by this myth of the American dream and other immigrant cultures succeeding within it. It's, it can be very frustrating. And I think the point is, look, you get one chance, you know, and sometimes you have to make cast sacrifices like me. Sometimes you have to go to pre-med 
in order to be able to get through that period of my life so that I could go to Juilliard. You know, sometimes you have to make sacrifices, but you never, you just, you have to find like-minded people to hang out with. That's the secret to everything. Find people who are into what you are into. That's it. Like isolating never works ever, ever, ever. So the only way to find your voice, I think, is to join your voice to other people's voices. We're communal animals. And like, Pay attention to their work. If there's someone you admire that inspires you, go see them. Buy their album. Buy a book. See their movie. See their play. Like, don't stay at home wondering what to do. Get out there. And if you don't know what to do yet, go find people who you think have found their way a little bit and support their work. Because by just by being in that room with them, you start to find a community of other audience members or other people interested in it. And from there, your dreams start to actually get some momentum. Right. Just being in, in the room where it's getting hot. Yeah, you, you just got to get in the room where it's hot. And if you don't know where it is, it's really easy to find now with the internet. And you can start literally anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kate, Rig, thank you so Thanks much for so joining much. us Thanks so much. I had today. such a good time. I can't awesome. wait to um, see more of your work yeah. and to tune into the next podcast. Great. And I'm Rich Campio. For more information on Kate, Rig, or other guests, just go to WTYPod.com. That's WTYPOD.com. I'm Rich Campio here with Kate, Rig. Thanks so much. WTY. It's a comedy journey.